Welcome back. This is Richard Sachs and Doug Diamond is here. This is our show on Lost Arts Radio and I'm glad that you could join us. We've got two friends and great guests with us again tonight. Uh, Dr. Rima Labo, MD, and Ralph Fusatola, JD, both co-trustees of the Natural Solutions Foundation. And we're in a position to talk about, because of the time of year it is, what's going on in the world. And we're looking back at what happened over 2021 that's most significant and where it's likely to be going and what choices we have and things that we could do to affect the direction that things are going to go next, which I think is really an important question to look at. So welcome, Dr. Reman Ralph. I'm very grateful that you guys are here. Thank you. And I suspect this is going to be a, another incredible conversation. No, we're going to be boring and conventional, and, and we're going to repeat the official narrative which makes absolutely no sense logically, scientifically, or uh, um, in any other way. But we intend to repeat it because that's what everybody... Oh, no, we don't. Sorry. Well, just in case you don't, what what is the latest official narrative? You have to get a booster on your booster, on your booster, right. on your booster. Because if you don't, the new variant, which may or may not exist... From the vaccine, from the virus, which may or may not exist, may or may not cause disease in you. Right, right. That sounds urgent. Right. Certainly. So essentially a situation where uh, we all need to be vaccinated in order to protect the people who are vaccinated. Yes, right. yes. Uh, this is the first time in history when healthy people have been quarantined to prevent the spread of a disease when um, a disease is blamed on the people who don't have the disease um, when vaccines are necessary to protect the vaccinated. And of course, they're not vaccines. We understand that. Um, Everything that we know about immunology and virology and um, public health and logic and true science has been stood on its head with a ceaseless propaganda beat, which has created um, an earthquake and disruption in the foundation of logic in people's minds. You know, since this is obviously something that's globally coordinated and orchestrated uh, among all the different countries involved, I think this is a testament to where they think 
education has gotten because if they didn't think that people were dumbed down enough to fall for this stuff, they wouldn't be doing it. True. Precisely. The, right. the plan has been in place for a very long time. Mm-hmm. The technology has been available for 30 years. The mRNA um, uh, injections have been available for 30 years, as mm-hmm. uh, David Martin has shown in his patent study and ha- others have shown. Right. Um, and the, um, the wish to do exactly what is being done has been articulated um, for decades now in precisely this way. But it wasn't until we reached the, the tipping point of, of dumbed down, um, obedient lack of thought that they dared try it. And even so, there are millions and millions and millions of us saying, wait, what? What? What did you just say? What? Yeah, that so makes no sense. Their carefully orchestrated strategy seems to be ignore that and just push it through no matter what. For instance, <clears throat> Bill de Blasio, the outgoing mayor of New York City, issued an edict. It's not a mandate. It's an edict uh-huh. that stated that everybody in New York City from five years of age and up had to be um, jabbed with these kill shots. And uh, Patricia Finn, the good health lawyer, took that to court and received a stunning um, judgment from from the judge who heard it, a temporary restraining order saying, no, you cannot do that to this particular man, a detective in the police force, or to anyone similarly situated, which would be everyone. Mm-hmm. And the city of New York and the publication arm of the city of New York, which is the mainstream media, including the New York Times and others, reported that the city had won the case, that the judgment was exactly the opposite of what it was, and then proceeded to act as if the judge had said, yeah, you go right ahead, when in fact the exact opposite happened. Now, how would most people know? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And in and fact, so it has to go back to. But court. just to show that they're still <clears throat> really nice people, they're offering to give everybody who gets the shot a hundred dollars at this point. Right. And they come to your house, so you don't even have to drive anywhere. Right. And if you don't do that, um, in the first day of the legislative session, um, the state legislature of New York will be voting on bills to establish quarantine centers where anybody who is suspected of having a disease or being a contact or in any way being a danger can be indefinitely sequestered and removed from their home, uh, indefinitely sequestered and forced to take any medication or treatment uh, that the governor or designee deems to be appropriate. Right. I think that's called a gulag, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of great names for it. And and it it saves the government $100 for every person that they pick up that way. Right, right. So it's economically sound. It's and it's it's certainly in line with the great principles of democratically governed uh, places that live by the rule of law. Because right. you pass a law that's unlawful, but it's a law, and then you can do anything you want, right, Ralph? You're an attorney, isn't that how it works? It's called, it's called the theory of legalism. Uh, it's the theory that uh, that uh, the CCP operates on. Um, whatever is law. <laughs> 
uh, is obligatory. Uh, and anything can be law if you control the mechanism whereby laws are promulgated. Uh, nothing to do with, with human rights or anything like that. I mean, gosh, the New Jer- the North Jersey um, News just had an article um, a couple of days ago about how we have to have to get it get it, get it beyond these ideas of personal of personal choice in medical care. The, the, the phrase they used was the bogus the bogus idea of right. personal choice. Right, the bogus yes, no personal choice. It's really interesting how that's proceeding all over the world. Too, a person I'm, does make the choice, but it's not you making it for yourself. It's someone Yeah, else you still do have personal choice. It's just which people. Just but which person is making the choice, right? I exactly. just saw a video for, that came out of Austria, and they're just starting uh, March 15th, I think. Anybody who is in Austria and hasn't been injected will be fined up to, I think, $3,500 per incident. When you come out What's of an house. incident, is that a day or is that what is that? No, I'm, the guy was clarifying that if you go out of your house and try to visit somebody, for example, and you get caught and you can't prove that you were injected, that's one incident. And if then if you go after you are let go and on your way back, you get caught again, that's another incident. I see. I see. So that requires that the police or some agency watch you. So we have increased surveillance. Um, yes, new, uh, new career opportunities to be doing that with the police. I would like to read the response that I wrote to the Northern New Jersey, New Jersey Journal article, um, because I think it mentions some things that your listeners might find interesting and useful. May I do that? Of course, this was not published by them. However, we did publish it along with the article link on opensourcetruth.com and on Telegram open source. Do you want to give a context of what you're responding to? Yes. Uh, The New Jersey, the Northern New Jersey News, or is that the name of the newspaper? The North Jersey Journal. It's the North Jersey Journal. published an article saying that all of the rights that people enjoy should be removed from the people who are not vaccinated. Now, of course, if somebody has a medical exemption to being vaccinated, this applies to them too. Everybody needs to be coerced into vaccination quote, quote, vaccination. And even, it points out, Representative Malinowski says that people have have to give up their rights in order to have public responsibility. It also says, um, you know, this is the, the notion that you shouldn't have health care, you shouldn't have the right to work, you shouldn't have the right to uh, buy food if you're not vaccinated with this experimental failed vaccine. Um, so they use the state, uh, the statement, quote, the bogus argument about personal medical choice, they say, needs mm-hmm. to be um, understood as meaningless. So here is my response. The bogus argument argument about medical personal choice, end quote, just happens to be the law of the land. Given that the U.S. has ratified the Geneva Convention, the laws contained in it 
are the controlling law of the United States and every other country which has ratified this nearly universally ratified treaty. Assuming that it is important to you, Representative Malinowski, President Biden, Dr. Fauci, and others, your opinion is to remove the United States from the gen- your option is to remove the United States from the Geneva Convention. Almost every person in the United States has the right of informed. Uh, uh, sorry, absent that, every person in the United States. I'm wearing the wrong glasses. That's why I can't see. Just a moment. I'm putting on my computer glasses, and I'll be able to read. I apologize to you. Assuming that is important to you, Representative Malinowski, President Biden, Dr. Fauci, and others, your option is to remove the United States from the Geneva Convention. Absent that, every person in the United States has the right of informed consent if they assert it properly. You may recall that the subsequent Nuremberg trials conducted by the United States after the better-known Nuremberg trials were also known as the doctor's trials. And they resulted in not only the imprisonment of a large number of Nazi doctors, but the execution of 13 of them. Their crime, depriving their victims of their right of informed consent. Clearly, it made sense to the Nazis and the German people to persecute those seen as unacceptable to them. But it was, in fact, an unthinkably horrible crime against humanity, morality, and decency. No amount of pro-jab propaganda can justify doing the same to those deemed unfit by virtue of their exercise of the right of informed consent. The so-called vaccines are still in poorly controlled, badly designed, and fraudulently reported out, quote, clinical trials, and have vast medical and reproductive adverse event numbers associated with their use. Punishing people who choose to use their bodies differently is illegal, immoral, and ill-advised. Fervor is no substitute for freedom. Screeds are no substitute for science. And to quote the wise and prescient statement of Major General Albert N. Stubblebein III, U.S. Army deceased, informed consent is the defining issue of the 21st century. So it is. I know where I stand. Which side are you on? And then I add, that right can be properly asserted through the use of the advanced vaccine directive card, which you can easily search for online. So I pointed this out and they chose to censor my response to the content of their article. Kel surprise, mm-hmm. because this reality is the, uh, the pin that pricks their malignant balloon. So informed consent is valid on <clears throat> and can affirmed in two ways. One is the fact that the country is a signatory to the Geneva Convention. Not a signatory. Signatory to a convention mm. means nothing. The oh, only what? time a convention or a treaty <clears throat> becomes effective uh-huh. is when a country ratifies it. And we are a ratifying nation to the Geneva Convention. So that's one reason. 
And that was in, what, 1947 or something like that? Well, the Geneva Convention has a number of different parts, and they've all been ratified by the United States. The Nuremberg Code, I think I remember from about 1947. Yes, but but as Ralph will tell you, the Nuremberg Code was merely a restatement, and lawyers restate things all the time, was merely a restatement of the conditions of the Geneva Convention about informed consent. And then informed consent in America could also be seen as one of the natural rights of individuals, right? Absolutely. And it's also also laid out in statutory materials for institutional review boards and otherwise. Uh, Then there's the United Nations uh, Bioethics uh, Declaration, which makes it really clear that informed consent applies to uh, not just to experiments, but also to any form of treatment. Anything. Putting on a mask. A mask. That's a medical intervention. Or taking a so-called... so-called medicine, which in most cases is a toxic chemical, that taking that or having a doctor give that to you has to also involve informed consent. Absolutely. And it almost never happens. Well, that, you know, there are two, um, two people involved in that seesaw where a patient needs to say, I have to give you my informed consent before I do this. Otherwise, uh, is it way, implied? Well, if you don't assert it, it is deemed waived. Ralph can tell you about this. But when you do assert it, you have the right to it, whether or not you have a reason. You don't have to have a reason. You can say, nope, I just have a gut feeling that I don't want this CAT scan. <laughs> I suspect that most people listening don't know exactly what informed consent is. Ralph. Repeat. Most people listening probably don't know precisely what informed consent is. So perhaps you can tell us. Yeah, that, you know, the Nuremberg Code makes it pretty clear. It it means it's got two parts, informed and consent. The informed part is that you have to be told what the risks are. I mean, this is absolutely essential. There's no informed consent without being informed. And so uh, when they issue an EUA uh, approval for a vaccine, and as a result of that EUA approval, the insert, the package insert, is left completely blank. And mm-hmm. by the way, it's all over the Internet. That's exactly what's happening. If you were to get one of those, uh, one of those jabs, uh, the package insert for that jab simply has the name of it on it and that sort of stuff. But then everything else is blank, pages of blank. And material. it says intentionally left blank, lest yeah. you think, this one didn't print. Right, and then you don't have to give, you, don't, you have the right to refuse it as under the rules. So that's the first part. Where is the informed part and the consent part? Um, Without any element of coercion is what the Nuremberg Code says. You have like to losing your job or things like that. Without any element of coercion. Like, you know, you can't drive, you can't use uh, public facilities anymore, or you can't fly. Um, I'm, I was planning on being in Texas in February to speak at a, at a, at a meeting, and it looks like uh, I will not be able to go because the head of the regime has recently announced that he's considering uh, imposing by dictate um, a vaccine requirement on anyone who flies any airplane in the United States. Um, it's quite crazy. So, so any requirement uh, no like that is coercion. illegal. So two things, informed, informed, and real consent. Real consent means no element of coercion. Right, and real informed means not just some of the risks. Right. 
It has to be all no, the known. No, it means not just, not just the putative, alleged, unsubstantiated benefits, because that's all people are hearing. Right. But They're even, not hearing about even, the real risks. Even one or two of the risks isn't enough. It has to be all the known risks, right? Yes. Yes. And the unknown risks. And we know that the FDA, uh, before the uh, f- approval of the first um, jab, before the EUA uh, status was granted to Pfizer-BioNTech, they had a list of 120 likely negative consequences, mm-hmm. risks, okay. diseases that would be caused in some people by these shots. And I uh, actually, we published that list before the um, the first EUA was granted on Open Source Truth, which is a, a place to go for very, very important information. If you're not going there regularly, please change your browsing habits. And while you're there, please sign up for the uh, Dr. Rima Truth Reports newsletter. OpenSourceTruth.com, right? Um, OpenSourceTruth.com. And you can also go on Telegram. And we have an open source truth group there. And I've been holding up while Ralph has been speaking and you've been speaking about informed consent. I've been holding up what is not a credit card. This is a, um, an essential tool for asserting your informed consent. This is an advanced vaccine directive which has been carefully researched and we believe to be valid in all of the countries that have ratified the Geneva Convention, which is pretty much every country. And it contains statements like, I refuse all vaccines. And the wording is uh, very carefully um, uh, selected, and you sign it, and you date it, and you keep it in your wallet or your backpack or your baby's diaper bag because each individual needs their own. This is available at... NSFmarketplace.com, NSFmarketplace.com, and it's called the Advanced Vaccine Directive. Ralph, would you talk about what happens when you don't uh, Uh, assert your right of informed consent correctly? That's probably the most important point to make, and that is if you do not assert your refusal to grant informed consent, it will be deemed waived, as the lawyers say. It will, be, it, will be, it will be considered to have been waived. If you are silent, silence is consent. If you do not assert your right, that's the case. Now, there are a lot of other advanced medical cards besides our, um, our advanced vaccine refusal card. There are cards that say, I'm a diabetic. There are cards that say, I refuse all transfusions. There are cards that say, I am allergic to penicillin. These are all advanced medical cards that people sometimes carry. And in fact, if you were admitted to an ER, um, the folks that admitted you would have to make sure that if you have any of those cards on you, that information is noted on your chart. And so even if you were not conscious, in theory anyway, we hope that, that the, they, they abide by their own rules, um, your chart would have to show uh, refuses all vaccines. What happens legally if there's a card like that in your clothing and they don't find it? And they, they go. If they don't against. find it, it's not their responsibility. If they do find it and they ignore it, and you can prove that, 
you would probably okay. have grounds for uh, for um, litigation. In fact, the, the 1914 case that 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 began the modern American legal concept of informed consent was a case in which uh, a doctor engaged in a medical intervention without informed consent, even though and even though that intervention was a benefit to the individual, the court held it was a trespass. It was an assault and battery to do it without consent, even though it was done with the intent to help. So, yes, you would have an action for assault and battery. And by the way, that 1914 case is very significant. It's a case that that uh, Judge Cardozo of New York State, later Justice Cardozo of the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, handled. And, and, uh, and it came uh, well over, uh, well, almost a decade after the infamous uh, Jacobson versus Massachusetts case, which the... Uh, pro-vaxxers claim uh, gives them uh, carte blanche to do whatever they want with our bodies. Um, <clears throat> it is a later case, and it began the our understanding of informed consent, and therefore can be seen as uh, the case that uh, that helps us modify what Jacobson means. But of course, if you read Jacobson carefully, as uh, as Patty Thin, the good health lawyer from Rockland County, New York, has done and and written about quite extensively, uh, you find out that when you actually read the case. It does not give the mad vaxxers uh, carte blanche to do whatever they want. In fact, it says that the courts are not with power, without power to intervene. And it makes it clear that medical excuses are to be accepted. It um, does say, though, that um, the state can make you pay $5. Right. And $5 in those days. Uh, would be like about $125 now. That's yeah, not but, but do you have to build in inflation, or can you just say, look, it only said $5? Well, even if you build in the inflation, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, uh, I would be happy to pay $125 for them to let me alone and let me fly. Uh, yeah, good point. No, you would true. not, and I'll tell you, why. tell you why. If you get on an airplane unjabbed, you are sitting in a tin can being transfected by the majority of people who are jabbed. We do not yet know enough about transfection. It's not shedding. It's transfection. That is the contagion of whatever it is that they're putting out by the jabbed of the unjabbed. We do not yet know enough to detox you because we don't have a laboratory looking at what people are putting out in their breath, in their sweat, in their feces, in their urine, and therefore into the water, by the way. We don't have that information. The other side does, because we know that on page 49 of their uh, clinical trial manual, Pfizer says there is a serious adverse event to be reported if somebody who has been jabbed contaminates an unjabbed person with whatever it is that they're contaminating with them mm-hmm. uh, them with. For instance, if, and this is the example that they give, if somebody who has received the jab walks past somebody in an office, let's say a pregnant woman, that woman has now been exposed and a serious adverse event must be reported within 24 hours. But... It's not counted as a serious vaccine adverse event because she didn't receive the vaccine. It's counted as a serious adverse event, which can result in a miscarriage or in fetal malformation or uh, damage 
and must be reported to the appropriate authorities and followed. But it's not called a vaccine adverse event or injury. Now, and where where is that, Doctor? Page forty nine of the um, Pfizer uh, clinical trials handbook that the FDA approved. Okay. And we've published that on Open Source Truth. We've put out a lot of very interesting information. And by the way, your shows uh, on Lost Arts Radio are posted on uh, Open Source Truth as well. And, and we love mm. having you there. Yeah, so this is this is a very important um, information source. It's a news aggregation site. And the news that is aggregated mm. is reliable and important. Um I want to make the point that people say you should trust the science. Fauci says he is the science, and yeah. you should trust questioning Fauci is questioning the science. I trust science because science is testable. I do not trust scientists because they are marketable. Yeah, that's a good point. And they are bought and sold routinely every single day. There's there's two things that I think we mentioned at some point, too, that I think are important to clarify and usually aren't. One is that people are always saying, well, this is an experimental vaccine. You know, really, that's a completely irrelevant comment because all the ones that are considered unexperimental are also to be avoided. Maybe this um, one's worse, but... I think, yes. I think we need to talk about phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four, and what what that means. And that's a specialty of Ralph's um, regulatory uh, law in this area. So Ralph, talk to us about what experimental actually means. It means on several levels. I mean, first of all, there's always a preliminary study, allegedly about safety. And those initial um, safety studies are done on animal models. And then eventually they get on to uh, human models. And then after those studies, and remember, none of this was actually done for the uh, EUA jabs. Uh, then they get on to uh, larger, larger scale studies, which they do claim they did on the jabs, but not bothering with safety issues first, because after all, it's just an EUA. And if you get injured by the jab, nobody's responsible. Uh, and by the way, that's important. Nobody is responsible for injuries. Um, and by the way, if you die from uh, the jab, will your insurance company pay off your uh, life insurance? Probably not because, probably not because you voluntarily submitted to an experimental that is unapproved treatment. And these jabs are unapproved. They have been given a special status, emergency use authorization, which is not approval. Right. And that's so the third level is that those large scale human trials for vaccines, they normally go on for years and years before the vaccines are ever approved. Uh, and then there's the fourth stage. Well, the FDA may or may no longer recognize the fourth stage, uh, but they used to. And like we took a screenshot of their webpage because we were sure they were going to be uh, pulling that down eventually. The fourth stage was, well, we let it out into the public and see what happens. They're all experimental, in other words. Every Not just jabs. Every drug all the, all the that drugs. has... Every drug. Every right. drug that has full... FDA approval is in the fourth stage of experimentation. And 50% of the drugs that receive full FDA approval are removed by the FDA, usually quietly, within five years. 
Right. Not just because they're trying to limit the amount of money made. But no, because they, no, they, because they, they just killed an embarrassing number of people. Yes. Or created um, major uh, cardiovascular or endocrinological or yeah. um, reproductive. And those harm. are appro- those are approved drugs. These are so, fully so. So my point is that drugs. just because this is unapproved, if that was the problem, they could just say, "Okay, approved, no more problem," and it would be the same injection. Exactly, and uh, in fact, the approved Pfizer BioNTech. Comranti um, injection, which is unavailable, right. is nowhere to be seen. And they're saying, well, it's different in manufacture, but it's the same in content and effect as the Pfizer-BioNTech that you, you can get now. So it's as good as approved. To they just my think people are, is, d- are dumb enough to fall for all this stuff. Yes, which unfortunately we seem to be in large yes. numbers. Yes. Um, I have a friend and colleague who is a recognized world expert in uh, mind control technology because he has helped create the mind control post mi- post microwave mind control technology, uh, military bioweapons. Um, he's a faculty member here at the University of Arizona. And he is uh, adamantly opposed to the deployment of 5G, pulsed microwave, 4 and 5G, because it is not about communication. It is about both surveillance and control. And he believes that the mind control technology of uh, that, that is used uh, in 4G and 5G installations, which blankets most of the developed world at this point mm-hmm. is already in use because he says nothing else explains the passivity and acceptance of the illogic by so many people of the jab and their participation in the, the jab programs for themselves and for their most precious resources, their children. Does, does, is he a kind of a specialist in, in that kind of frequency uh, technology like 5G or yes, and does he does he have full awareness of things like fluoride and geoengineering? And Absolutely, tech, you know, poison Absolutely. food and all that stuff. Absolutely, like, yes, he does. So he just he just thinks that five G is one of the primary reasons, and he also knows that it interacts with uh, the control system that's injected yeah. in the jab. Uh, so he's right. he's uh, quite an outspoken. Um, foe of all of this technology, but he believes that the passivity and the receptiveness is being manipulated by the mind control technology in the pulsed microwave You know, a really interesting question connected to that since you bring up 5G is in the beginning the cases of sickness not because they were uh, diagnosed with PCR but by symptom syndrome the difficulty in breathing with the good lung function, inability to get oxygen, things like that, that were showing up in certain places, New York City, Milan, certain places in Central and South America. Right. But they didn't spread everywhere like they should have if they were following the conventional model. So people have said that those may have been triggered by 5G, and yet the people within that group that got treated with some of the safe 
effective, uh, simple remedies got better and stayed better in spite of the fact that the 5G was still there. So the question is, what's the difference between that initial syndrome that was showing up in specific places and the syndrome that comes from getting the injection? It's a really good question. We need the research. Yeah. I um, I am speaking with people at this moment, actually, with two separate groups of people about initiating a laboratory and a clinic that we control, that we have, um, uh, it, well, we control and we, we use to find out what people have in them after they've been jabbed. And it will be mm-hmm. different based mm-hmm. on the different formulations illegally being used. Um, and what people are transfecting to others. So what right. unjabbed people have received from the jab people. And then, most importantly, finding safe, simple, effective protocols to disinfect and detoxify the people right. who have been injected and the people who have been um, uh, transfected. Because two-thirds of the people or more in the industrial world have received these kill shots. That means that within two mm-hmm. to four years, Luc Montagnier, 2008 Nobel Prize winner in virology, says two years. I, non-Nobel Prize winner, say two to four years. Mm-hmm. Um, these people will be dead. Now, during the Middle Ages, in the time of the Black Death, <clears throat> 50% of Europe died. In truth, uh-huh. we have never fully recovered Socially, economically, environmentally, uh, right. culturally, religiously, we have never recovered from the devastation of the Black Death in the mid-1400s. And yet, we are looking at the rapid death of approximately 40, uh, 75% or more of the people of the industrialized world. So it seems to me that the most important thing we can do, the most urgent thing we can do is find out how to prevent that death and then deploy simple, safe, rapid disinfection, uh, detoxification modalities around the world to as many people as possible to save the entire structure of society from collapsing in devastation, flames, and and uh, tragedy. Now, that may sound um, overly dramatic, but when you're looking at the death in two to four years of 75% or more of the world's industrialized nations, I think drama and intensity are pretty appropriate. Now, if anybody out there would like to reach out to me and uh, work with me on the creation of this laboratory and disinfection system, right. you may do so. Can mm-hmm. I give my, my email? Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Okay, and maybe if, do you have a you, chat that you can put it in? Yeah, you're, ta- you're talking about real health research. I am, and starting, I'm talking about starting real self immediately. Yes, starting immediately, starting absolutely a year ago, but it didn't. Yeah. Uh, I've been calling for it. My email is dr.rima 
at naturalsolutionsfoundation.com. Dr. Dot Rima at naturalsolutionsfoundation.com. This is, to my mind, the single most urgent priority for humanity. I'm sorry, the second most urgent, the first most urgent is stop taking the damn shots. Right. Right, exactly. I think one way or another, you know, to really stop these things, we have to ideally find some way to reach the people who are behind all this stuff. Well, I'm not actually interested in that. You are, and you want to save their souls, and God love you. I'm interested in reaching the people who are going to die and stopping that. I'm not saying it's one or the other. Okay, let's do both. Both are really important. I mean, whatever means to get the people to stop so that the new assaults don't keep going and recover from the old ones, I think both together would be good. But the people who are behind this... In my opinion, mm-hmm. and they don't call me up and talk to me. Understand? This is maybe after this, is, this promotion, they'll start calling you. Right? I we'll won't see. answer the phone for that. <laughs> uh, you, I'll, I'll forward the calls to you. You talk to them. <laughs> right. I, I don't have that strong a stomach because, in my estimation, the people behind this, the people at the top of the the vile pyramid of death, if you will, yeah, have. And this is my personal opinion. This is not a non-medical opinion. This is my sole uh, assessment of it. They have surrendered their humanity. They are perfect psychopaths. They have no affiliation or uh, connection with anything except their own perceived uh, benefit. And that perceived benefit does not include the well-being of anyone or anything other than themselves. And therefore, in my assessment, they are no longer truly human because the essence of humanity involves, dare I say, love and they have no love they have no capacity for love they are not sociopaths they are perfect psychopaths and i have no wish to do anything with them for them except avoid and vitiate the harm that they are perfectly capable of inflicting with no remorse whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I find them such toxic beings that I do not wish to engage with them in any way. If you do, if you have the greatness of heart and soul to engage with them and bring them back to the fold of humanity, well, God love you. But I want to save the people that they're trying to kill. But you're not against stopping the bad activities. I think stopping the bad activities is a really good idea. There are many ways to stop it. One of them is using informed consent to say, no, 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 no. You're not doing that to me. You're not doing that to my child. You're not doing that to my society. You're not doing that to my nation. You're not doing that to my form of government, my infrastructure, or my world. No. So what happens if we suggest that, for example, since that's not based on strictly American law, that's based on what the founders called natural rights, so which right. are good in any part of the world. So what would happen if you tried to promote that approach in another place, say Austria? 
Austria ratified the Geneva Convention, too. That's what I mean. And they have now said as a law that starting March 15th, they can do whatever they want to. Um, The Germans said as a law. uh, Jews were not citizens and had no human rights. That's right. 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 And nobody stopped them. And look what happened. Yeah. And I'm saying in a condition like that, where the government says whatever we want to do is legal, you know, which is more and more of the world at the moment, changing by the week. I'm not saying anybody has to know the answer. I'm just saying we need it. We need to know. because If enough people resist, if people stop complying, this will all fall apart. It's too many to arrest, right? It's too many to arrest. Whatever force they have in Austria cannot arrest every Austrian. So this is like what Gandhi did with the salt. Yes. uh, Harvesting to overcome the British. Yes. They just have to be willing to be beat up until the British just give up. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. And the great leaders in different parts of the world are saying mass noncompliance. Mass noncompliance. Every time you bow your head, every time you bend your knee, say yes, and make your child or yourself available for their tyranny, you are strengthening them. So maybe the reason that that doesn't happen faster is everybody's waiting for the rest of the mass to show up. And they are showing up. The mass media is not telling us they're showing up, but all over the world, weekend after weekend after weekend. Ralph can tell us about this. The world marches with millions of people. This is important because what's happened is, despite a concerted effort by the so-called social media, by YouTube and and Facebook and and Twitter, to absolutely prevent anyone from knowing about what's going on, and the attempt by, of course, the the major uh, news media, including Fox and and CNN and (coughs) all of them, to pretend it's not happening, what started as an every other month demonstration, a third Saturday of every other month, uh, has turned into demonstrations every Saturday all over the planet. Millions of people involved. If you uh, you you can sometimes see uh, uh, reports about that on um, um, one American network, OANN.com. Uh, you can certainly find out a lot of information about that on Telegram.org. And if you join Telegram, which is <coughs> essentially an uncensored social media, you can uh, join our open source truth uh, telegram channel and, and people are free to post what they want on that channel. Uh, and therefore we get huge amounts of information coming in at us from all over the world. Uh, it's very important. Uh, go to open source truth.com as well. And you'll see that there are uh, reports about it as well. Just plug into open source truth.com uh, into the search um, uh, uh, slot worldwide demonstration and you'll see all that information it is astounding what astounding. A, few, a few thousand people have been able to organize because yeah. they used telegram to organize it and the main the main uh, discussion group where they do the organizing only has about 58,000 people on it uh, and so those people are organizing millions of people to demonstrate literally every Saturday uh, all around the world this and we'll is so see. important uh, open. Uh, this is very largest important. demonstration ever held in Australia. Largest political demonstration ever held in New Zealand. Uh, same thing. Received around. zero notice in right. India. One 
uh, I'm sorry, 900 million people demonstrated. They stopped traffic all over India. They stopped everything all over India. 900 million people. That's three times the population of the United States. Three quarters of the population of India turned out uh, and demonstrated for two days. This received zero notice in any of the major media, as if it never happened, not even as if it were unimportant. This is not page 27 news, zero notice. That's how the censorship works. That's being organized through what? Telegram site? No, that was a spontaneous uh, demonstration in India protesting the the COVID um, lockdowns. Okay. That was some time ago. The the demonstrations that Ralph is talking about are being organized through Telegram, but they're also happening spontaneously. Right. Um, I want to make the point that there are two ways to get Telegram. One is on your phone, and mm-hmm. you will get the censored version. The mm. other way is to go to Telegram.com on your computer. And then from there, download the app to your phone or send the app to your phone, and you'll get the uncensored version. How weird is that? Yeah, that's great. What What was the response, if any, from the national government of India? We don't know. It was censored. But oh, we do know okay. that ivermectin has been available in India. For instance, in Uttar Pradesh, Pradesh um, the poorest place in India, which tells you that it's pretty poor. That's the state with 200 million plus people in it? Yes. 98% of the population lives below the Indian poverty level. Right. It's pretty poor. Um, There, they distributed ivermectin, and the incidence of COVID and COVID deaths dropped to zero. Whoops. Interesting coincidence, huh? It's it's almost as if it were effective. <laughs> right, right. Amazing. And also, you know, the work of Dr. Zelenko, right? Of course. And of course. he found that if you can't get ivermectin, you can use quercetin with of the course. same other with the other nutrients that would go. Of course. With it. And vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc. Right. I mean we're and and we're dealing with damage from a spike protein. We're not dealing with a virus because uh, in the past two years Hundreds of institutions all over the world who are expert at isolating and uh, uh, identifying viruses have all, oddly enough, failed to isolate the virus. They've all succeeded in isolating the spike protein. Right. Huh. right, right. But all of them have failed, amazingly, in them in isolating the entire virus. Why? It's as if there is no virus. Gosh. Yeah. You know, I got fooled by it in the very beginning because we saw the pictures of the people falling over in Wuhan on the street, and it looked like they were hitting their heads and bleeding when they fell down. Right. And that, when we were told it was a virus, and then we were told almost immediately after that that the virus had not only been isolated, but they found the points where it had been pieced together, like a chimera, which you couldn't do if they couldn't even find the original virus. And you know, I, it didn't occur to me immediately that that was just all made up. And then the person that really detailed it, it, the best that I've seen so far is David Martin. 
you know, finding who has done who has done magnificent work. He he needs to be followed and he needs to be valued and praised highly for the work that he has done. You know, all of us are allies, we're not competitors. And what David Martin exposed that was so valuable was that the patent on these viruses, including uh, SARS-CoV-2, and a number of variants, a high number of variants, were all granted, I think, prior to 2000. They they go back 22 years. Yeah, so that'd be 1999 if it's 22 years. right? Right. And that means you can patent a sequence that has no counterpart in actual reality. Right. That's I, called I a bioweapon. This is a really important case. concept to explain. Yes. You can patent something that sounds like it's a real thing, and it's not. And you can still get a patent on it. No, it's a real thing. It's just not a natural thing. No, they patent it as if it was a virus. And right. They, they no, you can misname it. You they, can misname the, it. Okay, but they, they had the virus and the, and the variants, and they patented a whole bunch of them. And my understanding was they're just computer entries at that point. Um, you can patent programs. I guess, yeah, you call it a program, right? Very soon after the uh, coronavirus, COVID, SARS-CoV-2, uh, COVID-19 thing burst yeah. upon the world in a carefully orchestrated media release program, Um Soon after that, an Indian group of six eminent virologists published the spike protein uh, genome. Not the whole virus, because nobody's seen the whole virus, but the spike protein. Uh And as it happened, just by divine intervention or stupid chance, I happened upon their paper within minutes of its being posted. I don't know how that happened. And I picked up the link and I immediately put it on open source truth where it is to this day. Within six hours, the World Health Organization and the governments that be and the controlling powers that be came smashing down on these six scientists and forced them to retract their paper and remove it, and it disappeared from the Internet. You can find it on Open Source Truth. Because the paper implied that it was made in a laboratory and there was no, no, po- no possible because, way. I don't know why, because it didn't imply uh-huh. that it was made in a laboratory. It said, oh, look, we've sequenced this spike protein. I thought, they, I thought they showed that it was a chimera. Yes, it is a chimera. They, they, but they didn't say... And therefore, it had to come from the laboratory. They said, this is very anomalous. We don't understand this. You know, (laughs) people would assume that if they could write a paper like that, that means they had truly isolated it. No, they isolated the spike protein. They didn't isolate the coronavirus. Nobody And they just extrapolated what that would mean for a whole virus? No, they said, this is the infective particle. Here you go, folks. Yeah, because all that money that was put into bioweapons research, that wasn't wasted. They did actual serious work with that. Very serious work all over the world. Right. This is what they came up with, among other things. No, no, no. This is one of the many, many, many things they came up with. Right. Yeah, correct. 
Correct. We're still waiting to get to see what the others are. Ebola had a hundred had when we looked at it in 2014, a hundred and seventeen U.S. patents, progressively weaponizing it sequentially right. until finally that particular multiply patented strain of Ebola was released mysteriously by the CIA. Doctors Without Borders and the World Holocaust Organization, I'm sorry, the World Health Organization in um, a region uh, where two countries uh, border uh, through a vaccine program allegedly for cholera. Uh, and this suddenly Sierra Leone and some other country. And that- Guinea-Bissau. Okay. okay. Yes. And oddly enough, this was so interesting because the people doing the, the injections uh-huh. and the people watching, there were CIA observers in the bush in this area between Sierra Leone and, and Guinea-Bissau. So they're observing Doctors Without Borders and the World Health Organization workers give this um, this injection to people, and they're in hazmat suits. Well, that's odd. And what is the CIA doing observing this this uh, remote African experimental injection program? Huh, that's interesting. Suddenly, boom, we have an outbreak in Sierra Leone and Liberia uh, of this multiply patented Ebola um, disease. There really is a whole virus for Ebola. And... Uh, Ralph, you want to talk about the the declassified research, which was declassified in 2009? And we made sure that it was declassified. I even have an email from a, a Air Force uh, uh, public relations officer saying it was declassified. Um, it was a uh, it was a it was a uh, excuse me. It was um, the CIA saying, "Don't say anything." Right, yeah, the CIA telling us to be quiet. Exactly. Uh, okay. It was a. Um, um, Essentially, a study that wasn't DARPA, it was the Defense Defense uh, Threat Reduction uh, Agency of the U.S. Department of Defense. So it's similar to DARPA, but a little different one. One of those alphabet agencies. And they uh, they paid for uh, for a study that was done at, uh, I think, the University of Wisconsin or Minnesota, somewhere up there. Uh, And uh, what they did is they, they lined up many, many, many Petri dishes. They put in the Petri dishes living human cells from a certain cell line that's used for this sort of test, mm-hmm. and they put in various dangerous viruses. I'm talking about things that are a lot more dangerous than uh, uh, than the COVID there, virus. These are tests. called the hemorrhagic viruses, Ebola, right. Marburg, Talcarine. Right. West Nile, the whole well, thing. Well, West yeah. Nile is not a hemorrhagic virus. These I were thought the hemorrhagic it was more than just viruses. hemorrhagic. I thought it was various types. Oh, but. It was, these were the hemorrhagic viruses, okay. I, if I recall. And, and what happened is, then they put nanosilver. Not just any nano silver, but the nano silver that uh, that uh, Dr. Rima was recommending, uh, and we're no longer allowed to talk about. Uh, well, actually, and, uh, actually, they put several nano silvers in. Right. When you say several nano silvers, you mean different concentrations. Different per, concentrations. Right, some yep. people sell fifty parts per million. Some people sell a hundred. Some people right. sell twenty-five. Our nano silver was. You notice the word was, we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, 10 parts per 10, million. Right. And they found, Ralph? And they found that in every case where there was silver present, 
there was virtually no replication of the virus. Uh, 10 parts per million actually was better than 25 and 50. And that's what they found. Uh, Isn't that interesting? That you would, you would, I cannot say what it counterintuitive. It's up to you, you to would, decide what that means, folks. Um, we submitted a formal petition to the FDA uh, asking them to approve what is called a health claim. The health claim would have said something to the effect of uh, uh, nanosilver supports normal cell membrane integrity. And as you know, if the cell membrane is doing its, its job, uh, spike protein or uh, anything else will not be able to penetrate the cell. And if there's no penetration, there is no replication. Uh, but uh, that apparently is, uh, is not to be spoken of. So uh, that's what we did. We, uh, um, we uh, made people aware of that. And we filed a formal petition. Uh, and a, mo- a month after we filed our petition, the FDA sued us. Uh, that lawsuit has now been settled because, uh, frankly, uh, uh, there are a lot of large companies out there selling many millions of dollars worth of Dano Silver every but year. They attacked us. And they, and they didn't, yeah, and they, they did not back us up. And we are not in a position to fight the federal government on every issue, especially when the killer issue right now is the vaccines. Right. And so uh, we accepted a settlement, which will will no longer provide nano silver. Um, we did not admit any wrongdoing. It says that explicitly in the first paragraph of the settlement. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, perhaps someday uh, someone will take up the cudgels again for nano silver. Uh, we were rejected. Our petition was also rejected. Uh, but we have a year to appeal that. We just might do that. I don't know. The settlement says that we agree to not do what we didn't do. Exactly. Which was make cure claims or um, other illegal claims for nanosilver in terms of COVID. What I said that got the FDA so exercised, and you have to remember this is selective enforcement. We are politically um, uh, advocating health freedom and informed consent. The other manufacturers and, and uh, outlets are just selling the stuff or similar stuff. Well, they're selling poor surface de- decontamination, which, does, well, which doesn't interfere saying, with the drug no, business. Right? Other companies are making very, very um, unwise claims that are illegal, but then they're not attacked by the government because they're not the Natural Solutions Foundation. Um, so what what they say was our crime was that I said I expressed my personal belief. What I said that they took exception to is I'm in the age range that is supposedly most at risk for COVID, mm-hmm. and I have no fear of getting COVID or having you know, serious consequences if I do get it, because I support my normal structure and function of my immune system daily with nano silver on a, um, a prophylactic basis. Now, that happens to be my belief. That happens to be my activity. And I thought that under the First Amendment, I was free to share my belief. Uh, they said that I was making a cure claim, a cure and prevention claim, and therefore turning nanosilver into an unapproved and therefore illegal drug. Right. We maintain that we did nothing illegal, nothing. But we don't have the money to pursue this case in federal court. We'd rather raise money for things that have um, 
other legal applications like the cases that we have uh, supported amicus briefs for uh, that are seeking um, uh, to be heard before the Supreme Court. So we signed a settlement and we said we didn't do anything wrong, but we won't do what we weren't supposed to do that we didn't do. Would that be an adequate um, and appropriate statement of the settlement, Ralph? I believe so. You know, we have to uh, tell people that that got bottles from us that they are uh, they're welcome to return the product. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they won't receive a refund, but they're welcome to return it. And if they return it, we will have to have it destroyed at great expense to ourselves because you can't just pour it down the sink, even though it's totally non-toxic. Um, we have to get people to in to do that and we have to pay for that. So we're, we're kind of hoping that nobody decides to return this wonderful substance that they purchased. And if, from and us. If, they, if they, you know, we, we haven't sold any for a year, over a year. So if anyone still has some around and they haven't used it too bad for them, <laughs> well, yeah, this is the year to use it. <laughs> most of them would have no reason to want to return it anyway. I hope not. I hope not. One sure. because it's we think that anybody who has it is in a good position, and the second is it's going to cost us a ton of money for the hazmat disposal and everything. Yes. Yeah. Why do you think, just out of curiosity, that? Uh, you know, in contradiction to what most people's intuition would be, that the lower concentration worked better? Um, in science, in, in biology, I should say, there is something called the U-shaped curve. And in a U-shaped curve, at a very high concentration, down to a low concentration, down to a high concentration, or at a very low concentration up to a higher concentration down to a low shape a low concentration you get differential biological effects for mm-hmm. instance in lead poisoning the exact opposite of the silver concentration phenomenon that was found in this 2009 declassified study um we know that smaller amounts of lead do more neurological damage than larger amounts of lead. So you get a, yes, yes. Very, very tiny amounts of lead in children do more and more permanent damage than the higher concentrations. That doesn't mean that the higher concentrations are good. They're not. But there is this U-shaped curve. And Mm. apparently with silver, with nano silver, which is different from colloidal silver, I can't right. talk about concentration effects in colloidal silver, but with nano silver, we see that the lower concentration, not 14, not 25, not 50, not 100, 10 uh-huh. is by far the most biologically effective in preventing, in this study, in preventing the, the, uh, hemorrhagic viruses from attaching, from penetrating, and from replicating. Wow. That was what they found, and that's what they declassified, and that's what we disseminated after discerning that it was, in fact, really declassified, and that's what the FDA came at us in 2014 about, and we said, but it's true. (laughs) And they said, we don't care. You have to take it off your website. So we did, and we thought that was the end of it. And then we came back around to COVID, and they said, you did it again. And we said, what? 
<laughs> and they said, you made prevention and treatment and, and cure claims because, if you remember, under DSHEA, the Dietary Supplements Health and Education Act of 1994, uh-huh. you are not allowed to use the words cure, prevent, treat, uh, diagnose, or mitigate with reference to any nutritional substance. Right, right. And they say, we didn't use those words, but we implied them. You were thinking them, for sure. I was thinking them. Yeah. Interesting. You want to talk about the DSHEA um, stipulations and limitations, Ralph? Because most people don't know about that. Well, DSHEA was the 1994 law that allowed us for the first time to talk about uh, talk about the the relationship between a nutrient and a state of, uh, of, of health, a normal state of normal wellness. Prior to that time, if anybody tried to link food and health in any way, the FDA would come down on them with sledgehammers. Literally, they would tear down the, the sign mm-hmm. off the health food store because the words health and food were next to each other. Wow. Uh, we, uh, we lobbied for that law. I remember even going down to Washington with my then five-year-old son and my, my late wife, uh, and we, we lobbied in the halls of Congress, and the law got passed, and while it wasn't perfect and had a lot of flaws in it, it allowed for the development of a vibrant, multi-billion dollar nutrient marketplace in this country, and greatly improved in many ways the health of many people. So it was a good thing. DSHEA allows us to talk about the relationship between nutrients and the normal structure and function of the body. So how is that different than places that don't have that law, like in Europe, for example? Um, they have much stricter regulations. You have to get prior approval for making claims. In the United States, you do not have to get prior approval for making normal structure and function claims. They also have very, 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 very low uh, limits, right. limits on what can yeah. be in the nutrient. Um, right. And so we have the right to have as high a dosage of vitamin C as we would like per serving. They do not. Right. Yeah. Amazing that you had to get a specific law passed for that, since it should be just a natural assumed right. Well, Congress was on the verge of passing a piece of legislation which would have banned all Nutritional supplements. Wow. And so there was a huge outcry from the entire populace saying, you can't do that, much like people are saying about the mandates. You can't do that. And there were more letters written to Congress than were written in opposition to the entire Vietnam War. Wow. Yeah. In support of nutrient freedom. And Congress unanimously adopted the law, by the way. That doesn't happen much anymore, uh, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, things have progressed. You know, you talked about the issues of the vaccine being approved, and some people are saying, well, it's a gene. There's two objections I have to the way they talk about it. One is they say, well, it's really like more like a gene therapy. And I'm saying, no, therapy doesn't mean weapon. Therapy is something that's supposed to actually be good for you. You know, like they could pretend that it's supposed to improve your genetics, and they don't. It's clearly designed to destroy the human genetics. 
So calling it a gene therapy, I don't think is accurate. We could call it a gene intervention. Yeah. That 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 it certainly is. I think that's true. The other thing is that they say, well, the pandemic, some of the health-oriented doctors and people are saying, well, the pandemic death toll is not nearly as bad as they said, so you shouldn't take away your rights. But I think Ralph would agree that even if it were a real pandemic and 90% of the public was dying, you really can't take away natural rights anyway. Exactly. The government can make suggestions, go hide in your bathroom, but they can't make you do it if you want to have a free country. I think think that we have... We have to go back to the doctor's trials again, I think. Um, Under the Geneva Convention, and Ralph can correct me if I'm wrong, please, but under the Geneva Convention, in order to try somebody for a war crime after you have defeated the country that that person was uh, serving, Mm -hmm. the crime that you're accusing them of has to be a crime in your own country that was the crime before the war started. So if um, painting somebody uh, red and sticking um, uh, uh, chicken feathers on their head was a crime in your country before you went to war with the other country, Mm -hmm. then after the war, you can accuse somebody of committing a war crime in which they painted somebody red and stuck chicken feathers on their head because it was already a crime in your country, you see? So... The doctor's trial, after the Nuremberg trials that were conducted in Nuremberg, that's a trick question. Where were the Nuremberg trials conducted? Nuremberg. After the Nuremberg trials were conducted by the four uh, victorious allies of World War II, the United States said, okay, now we're going to do something all on our own. We're going to take the Nazi doctors, who were kind of at the top of the heap, Mm-hmm. And 53 of them. And we're going to put them on trial. And they did. They had what are called the subsequent Nuremberg trials. The doctor's trial was right. among the, the okay. subsequent Nuremberg trials conducted only by the United States. And they decided that a whole bunch of these guys deserve to go to jail. And 13 of them deserve to be hanged by the neck until dead. Their crime was denying the right of informed consent. Their crime was not torture. Their crime was not indecency. Their crime was not um, uh, uh, cruel and unusual uh, procedures and punishment. Their crime was one thing, denying the right of informed consent, which was, and Ralph Ralph begins to twitch and quiver when I say yep. this, tough Ralph, which was a capital offense in the United States so that, that way, yep. the United States could legally and lawfully, mm-hmm. under the terms of the Geneva Convention and international law, execute 13 of dies. these. If someone dies, yes. Yes. Now, how many people are dying? Having oh, at least 20,000 so far from the United States from the vaccine. Only according to theirs, but we have another 45,000 in the, the uh, uh, Medicare, Medicaid system, which doesn't report to theirs. So that's at least 
65,000. On the low end, yeah. On the low end, and, on the and, very and low end. And that Harvard study said less than 1% get reported. Well, Jessica Rose, did a, who's a, an Israeli biostatistician, really brilliant woman, and she presented this to the hearing of before approval uh, for children of these uh, substances by the FDA or the uh, Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP. Um Jessica Rose said, well, we don't really know whether it's 1% or 10% that gets reported and it could be different now. So let's do something. Every single uh, jab station sets people aside for 15 to 30 minutes in order to see whether they develop an anaphylactic reaction. Every single anaphylactic reaction is recorded. So let's look at the number of anaphylactic reactions that actually have taken place according to the official records of the United States government. And then let's compare that to the number of anaphylactic reactions recorded in VAERS, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the anaphylactic reactions that were recorded by the government were also reported to VAERS. The difference was 41 times. For every one reaction, anaphylactic reaction, post-jab, recorded in VAERS, there were 41 anaphylactic reactions recorded by the government. Right. Which means that a fair estimate of what's real in VAERS is 41 times as many events actually occur as get reported. So that's only 800,000 dead, according to that. Yeah, a mere nothing. So the, they've made it better, though, because if they get to go home after that first 15 minutes, then for two weeks, they're considered unvaccinated in case they die. Right. In case they come into the hospital or uh, uh, have an anaphylactic reaction. What they're considered, And then after their second shot, they're considered unvaccinated again. And after their booster, they're considered right. unvaccinated again. So we have vaxxed, unvaxxed, vaxxed, unvaxxed, vaxxed, unvaxxed, vaxxed, unvaxxed, nonsense uh, definitions to serve the tyranny. And the PCR, which will no longer be a, approved under emergency use, use authorization as of December 31st, the PCR test says, I mean, the new regulations are, if you're jabbed, they only use 24 replication cycles to determine whether you're COVID positive, which of course means nothing. But if you're not jabbed, they use 45. So we know that the books are completely cooked and the whole case reporting is Utterly, utterly meaningless, but we've known that for some time. So we have 41 times minimum more events than are reported in VAERS. Maybe 100 times more, but we know for sure we can count on 41. And there's this separate, there are 11 reporting systems. There's not just VAERS. The um, Center for Medicare and Medicaid system reported 45,000 deaths in the first 15 days after the jab. I'm sorry, the first five days after the jab. And that's right. the the uh, crux of the suit that Attorney Renz is bringing, uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. before the Supreme Court. So we have vast numbers of death and disability incidents which are being denied and um, uh, factitiously um uh, made to to vaporize. They're being denied and vaporized by the propaganda machine. Welcome to Izvestia. 
and Pravda. Very little Pravda in Izvestia, very little Izvestia in Pravda. Very little news in truth, very little truth in news. A Soviet slogan, but a reality in the United States and the rest of the world. So one thing I've been wondering is why why is it that so many doctors that obviously have intelligence and courage and want to tell the truth can't grasp that all the PCR numbers of cases at any setting of cycle threshold are all bogus and that there's no proof of a virus existing. Your premise is wrong. That's why your premise is wrong. So many doctors who who uh, want to tell the truth. No, no, no. Very few doctors want to tell the truth. Very few doctors emerge from medical school and medical training with their balls intact. I've seen some doctors, though, on on talk shows, for example, that will say things that are officially unacceptable, but they include in the premise that Omicron is maybe less fire, less dangerous than the mainstream news says, but it's still dangerous. And PCR numbers are just off because they're not using the right cycle threshold and stuff like that. And, and what makes I'm, you think that doctors are educated in every aspect of medicine? Just because somebody's an ER physician or a family physician or a pediatrician, what the hell do they know about biostatistics? Well, I can there's tell one you, thing that nothing. they're... They're very educated, definitely, in the idea that you believe government agencies no matter what. So so these are uh, religious, fervent acolytes. It is religion, these, yeah. This is not science. These yeah, are the I scientists. Totally, Believing so. the scientists so you is always dangerous. Evil at the top of that structure, and then its followers are doing so on the basis of religion. Yes. Um, let me let me remind you of Lavoisier. Lavoisier was uh, the world's leading mm-hmm. scientist. He was the president of the French Academy of Science, which was the pinnacle body of scientific knowledge and excellence in the world at the time. And he discovered oxygen. That was a big deal. He discovered oxygen. Now, what year was that? <sighs> Roughly. To the nearest hundred. (laughs) Well, it was, uh, I believe it was in the early 1800s, if I'm not mistaken. Could have been the late 1700s. I don't remember, and I should, but I don't. I'll look it up immediately after this broadcast. Anyway, Lavoisier was the Mm. president of the French Academy of Sciences and celebrated as as the Einstein of his day, if you Mm -hmm. will. He discovered oxygen. And... He said, oh, one of the great conundrums of his conundrums of his day was, why do some things burn and some things not burn? You can burn a piece of wood and then you can't burn it again. And the answer, which everyone knew to be true, was that everything contained a weightless, tasteless um, uh, substance that you couldn't discern physically called phlogiston. And if something burned, it was because it contained phlogiston. But once the phlogiston was used up, it couldn't burn again. That's why an ash couldn't be reignited, because all the phlogiston was born gone. Uh, Lavoisier was presented with the information. Priestley actually did the discovery. Lavoisier verified the existence of the oxygen. So mm-hmm. ox- Lavoisier went to his death supporting the existence of phlogiston as the combustion uh, 
the answer to why combustion took place. Hmm. Okay. In fact, that tells you when it was, because Lavoisier, if I remember correctly, was executed uh, at the guillotine in the French Revolution. That tells you when it was. He could not see that he had the answer to the to the question, but he was answering it wrong. He was saying, everyone knows it's phlogiston, when in fact, phlogiston is now in the graveyard of scientific error, mm-hmm. one of the bones right. that doesn't doesn't have anything to do with reality. It was a scientific myth that everyone knew to be reality, and they were wrong because they were using, they were looking at it as religious dogma instead of scientific hypothesis. If we look at um, the year that we're about to start, and in fact it will have started by the time this airs, what are the factors that give the future a chance to be brighter, and how can people help that happen sooner? You know, on one level, it's, uh, it's almost the worse the better. I mean, when it becomes impossible to uh, hide the, uh, the, the massive number of, number of deaths from the vaccines, the damage the vaccines are doing to people's immune system, when it becomes impossible to cover that up, then change is possible. Um, if, if people just comply and hide and don't resist, then nothing will change. Compliance will not end this. 2022 must be the year masses of people refuse to comply. Anything less is not going to work. Yeah, I agree. I had, in response to that, and I agree completely, totally, and without reservation in what with what Ralph just said. Um, I had an astonishing day recently, which flashed to mind when you asked that question, Richard. In mm-hmm. one day, I agreed with something that the head of the World Health Organization said and oh something that Sarah Palin said. I mean, oh I had I had the cold sweats. It was such a, uh, a, a, a shaking, a shattering uh, day. Well, Did you go World to Health ER? Organ- what? Did you go to ER? No, I didn't want to get the COVID shot. Okay. Um I didn't want to be put on a ventilator, so I stayed home and just hyperventilated. Um, What Sarah Palin, not one of my uh, wisdom sources, Uh said when she was asked if she was going to get the job was over my dead body and stay away from my children and grandchildren. That was pretty good. Yeah. The, The second thing, I mean, you know, for once in a lifetime, I I think she got it right. The second agreement moment that I had that shook me profoundly Mm. was um, the head of the WHO, Tedros, said uh, the mandatory vaccination strategy that Biden is pushing is going to prolong the pandemic. Well, sure it is, because all those uh, vaccine adverse events are going to be mislabeled as COVID events, as Omicron events, as Lambda events, as whatever. And so uh, on and on we go. So in one day, two totally unreliable and uh, uh, ordinarily uh, disregarded sources said something I agree with. And that brings me to what we can do for the year. Okay. What Ralph said, don't comply. Why? Don't comply. Don't sacrifice your body, your health, 
your future, your family, your children, your economy, your liberty for momentary convenience. You want to go out to a restaurant? Oh, God, I love going to a restaurant. You want to go to the theater? I love the theater. I love ballet. I love live music. I love dancing. I love all that stuff. Am right. I? Is it worth dying for? No. So some of the things like that you cannot comply by just not taking the privilege, right, of going right. to the ballet. Well, it's not a privilege. It's well, actually, things they're making into a privilege. Right. But right. but there's another classification of things that they say. Take in some countries now they're they're announcing take the vaccine or go to the camp. And noncompliance in that situation is a different scenario, right? So what happens in a situation where the government says we're taking you to a camp and the people say, no, you're not, and their neighbors join them and defend them? If you'll remember uh, at the beginning of the, quote, vaccine passport, which is actual digital economy passport, has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the vaccines. Um, In France, people who did not have the digital passport on their phone were not allowed into grocery stores. And right, you remember right. uh, videos in Nice and in Paris of mobs of people who actually were, uh, who did have the vaccine passport on their phones, they were jabbed, escorting their friends and neighbors who were not jabbed into the grocery stores, not to loot the grocery stores, exactly. but to allow them to buy their food. So noncompliance goes with total cooperation. What happened if the uh, German and Polish and Austrian citizenry, what would have happened, had said, you cannot take our neighbors and friends, whether they're Jews or communists or gypsies, you cannot take yeah, them. Yeah, we will yeah. not work in your camps. We will not uh, guard them. We will not shoot them. We will not serve uh, in Einsatzgruppen 2. We right. will not serve in the, in the SS. We will not allow you to take our friends and neighbors, co-workers, and uh, uh, associates. Right, exactly. That's the key right now, I think. That's what happened in Denmark when 8,000 people, including Niels Bohr, uh, one of the world's greatest physicists, were ferried secretly across the channel to Sweden. How secret could it be? Have you been there? It's a very small channel. (laughs) The way it was secret was... An SS officer who was in charge of the deportation the next day of every Jew in Denmark assisted them. He cleared the path and turned the Gestapo eyes away to allow 8,000 people to escape to Sweden. Okay, so this is a subset of your original message, which was to the population, don't comply you know, you can't, once you understand the order is suicidal, you can't comply anyway. But the subset is to the people within the system, police, like in places like Austria and Australia and Germany and places, you know, everywhere. Uh, even in the military, when they're given unconstitutional, illegal orders, those people need to not comply too. Reach for the God within you. Yeah. Whatever God that is. And if the God has no name relating to God, then call it the good within you. Yeah, exactly. People within the system need to stop being part of it. An extra O is chief. You can turn God into good and good into God anytime you want. Right, exactly. It's like the bumper sticker in the Vietnam War that said, what if they gave a war and nobody came? And speaking of what if, 
let me let me say something to the true believers and to the almost true believers the doubters. And by the way, I am not vaccine hesitant. I am vaccine for goddamn sure positive no. Um, <laughs> I wish you could clarify if, that a little bit. No, I, I don't have a strong position. What okay. if we're right? What if it's not ah. good for you? And what if failing successful uh, research and development, there is no way back? What if this stuff in fact, is designed to make you infertile and to kill you? What if we're right? What then? What have you done? And what have you done to your children? What have you done to your children? If we're right, just assume for a moment for, you know, for the sake of argument that we're right. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're fools. Maybe we've misread all the scientific papers and evidence and, and, and we got it all wrong. What if we're right? What have you done if you have complied? Yeah, exactly right. Well, I think the thing is we need to uh, realize that we need to assist each other now as one group instead of a fractionated, you know, uh, atomized population where nobody knows each other or cares about each other. This is a test to uh, stop fighting and help each other on the basis of common good and humanity. Not the, not the fake common good of authorities, but the real common good of freedom. Absolutely. And that's beautifully said. You've answered your own question, you sly devil. You've answered your own question about what 2022 needs to hold. It yeah. needs to hold that consciousness and that direction because that, is how we save ourselves and others. Yeah. The details will precipitate out of that consciousness. Yeah, when there's a giant enemy attacking and they're using a psychological operation to make all the defenders fight with each other, they don't even have to do the fighting. They just wait for us to kill each other. Absolutely. So it might they, be smarter. help a little here and there. Yeah, they do help, but maybe it would be smarter for us not to kill each other. Well, I think it would be smarter for us not to kill each other and for us not to let them kill us. It's a dual strategy. Both at the same time. Both at the same time, yeah. Yeah. And we could start with our children. That's right. So we're way over time. We'll wrap it up. But I I just want to say one more thing, and that is that every time I, I see an opportunity for us to make alliances and liaisons with people from other parts of the world, I think that's a great opportunity. And I know, you know, I'm in the middle of the academic world still, unfortunately, but I'm trying to get finished. And we keep having these meetings where there are people from African countries and South American countries and European countries and everywhere. And I'm thinking, wow, if we could set up some kind of a a structure to have, like, what would you call it? A representative sample of people from all over the world showing cooperation. Let me suggest, and that's a beautiful, beautiful um, observation, Richard. Let me suggest that everybody who's interested in this kind of thing go to the Internet. Don't use Google. Use DuckDuckGo. Right. But go to the Internet and look for World Council for Health. I forget whether it's .com or .org. Type that's the one you told me about Council a couple weeks health. ago. 
This well, is a group of exactly the kind of people you're talking about. It's doctors and epidemiologists and statisticians and um, uh, clinical review specialists and uh, uh, clinical uh, trial specialists and tribal leaders and national leaders and uh, freedom leaders from the entire world. And I, we come together. People are welcome to attend the General Assembly every Monday, 12 o'clock Arizona Mountain Time, which is 2 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, it is... And they post the entire assembly thereafter. There's a, a, a wealth of powerful, beautifully done, high-level information on this site. Um, World Council for Health. I am deeply impressed by the quality and by the, um, the vigor of the scientists and leaders who, and lawyers who have come together to answer your question to make it possible for us to have the information that we need and to have the the tools that we need. Are there to, presentations like people give talks or yes, things like yes. that? Yes, generally three presentations. My experience of attending for the last couple of months is that there are usually three high high-quality presentations, which beautifully are understandable by people who are not experts in that particular field. That but shows the person understands what they're talking yes, about, if they can exactly. do that. exactly. And I have learned a great, great deal from these are, presentations. Are there organizers or people in charge of the whole thing? Yes, there is an executive can, steering committee. Can they be reached? I'd like to talk they to They certainly you. can. They're lovely people. Okay. Um, we can put you in touch. You probably need... Um, uh, referral or something. Some of these people on your, on your show. Uh, we have yeah. asked the World Council for Health to take one show a month in the Dr. Rima Truth Report slot and bring their information and people and strategies okay. forward. It's that powerful. So this week, if you can put me in touch with those people, that would be great because it sounds like they're worth supporting. Beg me. Yeah, I'll think <laughs> right. of what I could do. <laughs> I will be and, very happy to put you in touch. And I want to make one comment, and we got to go, but I, I want to make one comment to all the billionaires watching, and that is, what are you doing? What's your plan? You know, now is the time that you need to support things that are worthwhile because right. part, part of the plan is that your money is not going to do anything. You need this That's laboratory true. and clinic immediately to determine yeah. what is in people and how to get it out of people, That's whether right. they've been jabbed or whether they've been transfected. And if you're not putting your money to that and you have money to do it, what? Right. And it's not, you know, we talk about bad deeds being accountable to the person who does them or attributable so that you, you have to account for everything you've done, even if you think you weren't caught. The, op, the uh, converse applies, that if you take your billions of dollars and think carefully of all the good that you could do, you, you get credit for that, too. That's called good karma, and it's not just a belief system. Things happen from that. So I'm encouraging people to. I mean, if it's not important to you to use some of your spare money to save the entire world from total degradation (laughs) and collapse, well, then enjoy your yacht. Well, the other thing is to help help the world is the most selfish thing you could do if you really understand how it works. Because it'll help you. So anyway, hopefully we'll do the next segment soon. 
Thank you so much for having us. It's always a joy to talk with you. It's fantastic to have you guys here. So hold on, and we'll say goodbye in the break here. Okay, so there goes Dr. Rima Labo and Ralph Fusitola, trustees for the Natural Solutions Foundation. Hopefully, you guys see why we really appreciate them for all the work they've been doing for so many decades. Um, Dr. Rima's deceased husband, Bert uh, Stubblebine, General Bert Stubblebine III, was the other trustee, and I guess in a way still is, for Natural Solutions Foundation. And they've just been working for as long as I know about for health freedom. And it's an interesting thing that that right turned out to be so critical for freedom in general. And remember in the time of the founders of the United States, there was a guy, a doctor named Benjamin Rush, who thought there should be one more amendment in the Bill of Rights for medical or health freedom. And he was absolutely right. I mean, their health freedom is included in your natural rights like all the other ones are. But he wanted to have it specifically uh, mentioned in the Bill of Rights to stop what is happening now. And he, very prescient. He was a smart guy. But unfortunately, the others didn't agree with him. And so now we've got to deal with that without it being part of the specific Bill of Rights. But it, it's de- definitely in the natural rights of people anywhere in the world. And it's uh, recognized in the Nuremberg Code and the Geneva Convention. And everybody has health freedom. It's just that the governments may not agree or may not have heard about that concept. So it's a matter of, like, like Rima and Ralph were saying, mass non-compliance and the other component of that of that to make it work is that all of us in the general population down here um it would be really good for us to stop being complete hypnotized idiots uh fighting each other hurting ourselves and being you know arguing over petty inconsequential nonsense and realize oh our um our, our rulers are intending to exterminate us and themselves. It's a suicide mission, and that's not a good idea. We should not allow that to happen. And if we don't cooperate with it, it can't happen because they need us to work for them to accomplish it. And especially if you're in the police forces anywhere in the world or if you're a health authority that is so educated that you think, taking away people's natural rights is a way to help them stay healthy. Um, Even if the pandemic were real, which it is not, uh, and I'm not saying that just because of some crazy belief. You know, I've spent real serious investigation into it. But even if it were real, legitimate governments and agencies have no right to take away your natural rights, even in a real pandemic. Because if they did, if you just think about it for a minute, all they have to do to eliminate all your rights is just say, well, it's an emergency, and we're really sorry. We we hate taking away your rights, but we'll make sure and give them back real soon, as soon as the emergencies are all over. And we're sorry that you know we keep renewing them, and it's a new emergency every year, but we're only doing it for your good. Uh, any free country which is the only legitimate kind of country that exists. I can't think of any examples anywhere in the world at the moment, but 
um, anarchy is not the answer when the population consciousnesses kill each other. You know, you, then you have private gangs dominating society, and it's not the answer. It's not nirvana or paradise or anything. That, whether you have government or not government or any form of government, the result in society is going to come down to consciousness of the individuals, and that's our job. So even though non-compliance, mass non-compliance is really a high priority right now, waking up yourself is the first priority. Because if you don't do that, whatever we say to each other doesn't really matter. So what, what you're really expressing is what you're becoming. And if, you're, if we're an unconscious slave and we say freedom, 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 what we're un- expressing is unconscious slavery. We don't know what we're talking about. We got to experience it and demonstrate. And then whether we talk or not, it spreads. So that's our first priority. And remember the stuff that, that Rima and Ralph were talking about. Uh, write down notes of nsfmarketplace.com. That's where they sell some of the uh, supplement-related stuff that keeps Natural Solutions Foundation going. And uh, let me see, I scribbled down some of this stuff. WorldCouncilForHealth.org is a great educational site. You can sign up for alerts from them. WorldCouncilForHealth.org. Uh, two telegram groups that were highly recommended. One is unjabberwalkie.com on Telegram, and uh, that's for basically a new beginning of society with all the unvaccinated, or sorry, unjabberwalkie, I didn't really say that, unjabberwalkie people uh, trying to help each other and looking for, you know, Dr. Rima put an ad on there for somebody, a handyman she needed within that group, and it helped somebody who might have been fired from his job or something like that, and she got help that way. The other Telegram group that she recommended is uh, Worldwide Demonstrations, which both uh, she and Ralph were talking about. Demonstrations going on all over the world on Saturdays. In some places, lots and lots of people, and that could start everywhere. So Telegram group, Worldwide Demonstrations, needs to be supported and then donations for the laboratory that I think would be fantastic to see her start, and I'd like to see that happen right away, and they don't need that much money. So donations for that are at inhere.org. That's I-N-H-E-R-E dot O-R-G, and uh, just go there and donate $0.10 or $10 million or anything in between. And let's see them start the lab right away because real research is not like the criminal research that's supported by governments right now, like the bioweapons research. Real research is honest and it says, okay, not how can we sell the most expensive addictive medical solution that makes you sicker than before you started, which is the basis of the current medical industry. It's like, how can we free people? from dependence on these industries and drug dependency and things like that um, and show them how to take care of themselves. And in this case, it's how to recover from the damage of the injection. And that's urgently needed, and it's going to be needed by millions and millions of people who realize, oh, um, 
maybe that was a mistake and we shouldn't have let them stick that hollow needle in our arm and put poison into it. That probably wasn't a good move, but millions and millions of people will be realizing that that wasn't to protect you from disease. I, I've looked at these uh, injections back to 1796 with Jenner. I can't see any evidence that any of them ever prevented disease. And all these doctors that are otherwise well-intentioned and intelligent, uh, most of them, including Alex Jones, and who's not a doctor, but is a really great man in my opinion. But most of these guys are still under the delusion that vaccination in general is legitimate. I want to see the evidence of that because when they claim that it's eradicated diseases like polio and smallpox and stuff, if you really look into that, that's a complete lie. There's a great book called by uh, Suzanne Humphreys, Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, who almost was killed for this. And fortunately, she's alive. And it's called Dissolving Illusions. It's a whole history of this tradition of vaccinating people under the guise of preventing disease. It was always a lie. And and there's another one by um, Dr. Tim O'Shea called uh, Vaccination is Not Immunization. I, I highly recommend it, even if you only have time to read them in pieces, uh, which most of us do now at all. Um, there's a lot more, but those are two to start with. And the whole injection idea to prevent disease is bogus. And most of the people, for example, in the Disneyland horrible outbreak of uh, measles that, you know, almost killed the whole world, well, at least killed a few people. Um, most of the people that it killed had been injected to protect them against measles. And they got measles and got sick anyway. You know, a news flash in the old days that some of us remember Everybody got measles and chickenpox and mumps, and it wasn't a big deal at all. If you've got basic nutrition and sanitation and hygiene and you live in a place that you keep kind of clean, it doesn't hurt you to get those diseases um, unless there's something else that's almost killed you, and that's the last little thing that weakens your system or something like that. But for almost everybody, there's no danger, and you just get to stay home and watch cartoons if you're in school. So uh, this is a complete scam, and the companies, the drug dealers that make these injections, um, they have bosses above them, above the industry, who are not interested in money. They're interested in uh, genocide and uh, extermination. And the drug dealer companies are so out of it that they think, well, we don't care about that. We care about the money. And, you know, extermination, whatever, it doesn't matter. We just want the money. And so the bosses have told those companies, okay, how about if we let you take over the world? All you have to do is inject everybody with poison and uh, we'll give you all this money. And they said, great, sounds like a great deal. And they're in the middle of doing that right now. And they're so drunk on the power, they say, you know, first of all, they thought if we could inject everybody in the world one time, just think of the money, you know, 8 billion people almost, and this much money per injection. We're going to be in really good shape. And then they thought, wait a minute, why would we only want to do it once? Why not do it every month for everybody? And they're just, they can't stand it. They're so excited. And so they're willing to lie 
and they're willing to put you know all kinds of poison in the injection and all this stuff uh, it's a serious problem so the the evil that's in control is not the drug dealers it's not the governments it's not the agencies it's not the UN those are parts of the hierarchy but above them is the spirit of pure darkness and as long as we're unconscious and we're walking around in a fog it looks really intimidating but that's only because we're lying on our backs with our mouths open just staring at the ceiling you know so to speak and if we wake up and you know i feel like uh, like we should be in a hurry to do that <laughs> because every day that we put it off we've got people that are being killed and I, i'm not saying just the ones that die because they get to escape from the whole physical level the ones that are being tortured and that are what they call still alive those are the ones having the really bad time and the families of the ones that are killed we have infinitely more power for good that can flow through us not from our little ego selves but from where we came from from the creator that can flow through us and do enough to not only overcome the evil but to convert it and transmute it into something completely different and you're the one holding the power to do that not not in your small self but in opening up and letting that flow through you that's the consciousness work so i'm encouraging you take care of yourself you know get your physical body in good shape find out about uh natural health remedies and lifestyle details that you can change you know if you can get off damaging addictive drugs whether they're recreational or if they're medical maybe your doctor can help you with that just get free you know freedom is is partly freedom from addiction and if you get connected to what is you're carrying around internally then the outside addictions just fall apart and you get to see what feeling good is is like compared to that there's no comparison and you know we haven't even seen what's possible so i'm just encouraging you because you're really important to the future of the world and if you want to work on deeper aspects of that with us you can check out planetaryhealingclub.com um inviting you to go there with us and we're live interactive every week on saturday's us time and i'd like to see you there planetaryhealingclub.com is the access point and if you have questions about it just feel free to email richard at lostartsradio.com and we'll answer as quick as possible that's our effort to try to encourage people coming together and helping each other we want people from all over the world in that project so if you're up to it and you you don't have to uh be rich or you know go get yourself in danger in in some kind of a public situation this is about internal work that we're saying is very powerful but it takes work on yourself and get yourself healthy on all these different levels emotional and mental and physical and spiritual uh that's what we're doing planetaryhealingclub.com if you want to come there you're invited um the other thing is remember that this is our sunday show but we have saturday shows as well Lost Arts Radio Live and after that is the Planetary Healing Club meeting that's live. Lostartsradio.com is where to stay in touch with that. See the platforms that we're on that are not censored and uh stay in touch that way. 
even if we disappear from some of the major platforms, we'll still be visible somewhere else. So lostartsradio.com, stay in touch. And if you have resources, you can help us by donating there. There's a donate button at lostartsradio.com. We're not doing commercials. We're just doing content, and that's it. Right now, that's our whole strategy. So uh, we get a little money if I can do some private consulting, but I don't have a lot of time for that. So donations and uh, dues for Planetary Healing Club, that's what's supporting our work. And if the money is enough, we'll do projects that we have on hold that are waiting for funds. Communicate if you want questions, uh, suggestions for shows, questions about projects that we have lined up to go. Uh, We'd like to hear from you anytime. So I think that's about it. LostArtsRadio.com will show you where to watch the shows. And we have a subscribe star link there too, along with the regular donate button. That goes to subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio. So support what uh, Dr. Rima and Ralph are doing at all these websites that I just listed for you. And uh, check out the other ones that are of interest on Telegram as well. And watch for the uh, Saturday shows. We'll see you there. Have a good rest of the night and really appreciate you being the whole body of this effort. And we're carrying much more power than we need to heal the world. We just have to open to it and let it happen. So you're appreciated and we'll see you here next time. Thank you. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level. From extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right 
on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the band ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Would you wish that you could fly? 
Hey, 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 hey,